0: My name is Rick Napier, the founder of Real People USA and the Real People USA uh, podcast has about three parts. The first part is that we support uh, small business ownership, capitalism, and we promote uh, people who uh, have businesses and want to talk about their business. The second item that we promote on the Real People USA podcast is we support political candidates and we try to give them a boost by having them talk on the Real People USA podcast. And the third item that we uh, have on the Real People USA podcast is we talk about issues and, and topics. And if you are a Democrat or Republican, you are welcome to come on the Real People USA show. Uh, we just have one caveat a bit about that. Uh, we ask you some questions. Um, we just want you to answer the questions. And if we have a response to the question, we may ask you some questions about your topics. So if you don't mind being asked questions about your topic, please come on the Real People USA uh, podcast. That—that That is if you're a right, right wing, left wing, center right, center left. We don't care. We just want to have you talk about whatever you want to talk about. If it pertains to business, politics, or just topics that you want to talk about that you feel are real important. So today's Podcast guest on the Real People USA show is a person running for Congress in District 23. His name is Ruben Young, and his campaign manager, Jaylene Rodriguez, is also on the interview this morning. So without further delay, I just want to have Ruben introduce himself and just maybe spend a minute about um why he's running for office and then he can introduce his campaign manager so good morning reuben how are you doing
1: uh good morning good morning good morning rick how you doing uh i appreciate that intro yeah, that was an excellent intro leading to the conversation my name is reuben young And I'm a candidate running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz here in Florida in District 23. And you know, I'm I'm a natural born American. I'm a natural born citizen. I I grew up here in the United States. I grew up in Homestead, Florida City. Uh, I have a a history of of, uh, politicians. My family uh, started off in city politics. The late father, Theodore Gibson, uh, he's in my family, and then my grandmother used to be the get-out-the-vote person, where everyone came to her in the community when they wanted to know who should they vote for, and she would be the person making the phone calls to get people to the polls and and just keep them informed. So you know, I have a, a history of activism. I'm a, a community person. I'm a community uh, person who go out and you know uh, assist and standing up for those things in our community. You know, just to, just to let you know, Rick, when I was a kid, I was uh, I was bullied a lot. I mean, everybody picked on me, everybody pushed me around. But, you know, I don't take that bullying as a, as a negative. I spend that, because that bullying taught me to be the type of person I am. I mean, I'm a giant in my own right, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a short guy, but I'm a giant in my own right, because I, I take under the tough fight. I stand up to bullies. I, tell bullies, why don't you pick on people your own size? And I think that that bullying helped me to go um, take on people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's uh, who's a person in office that does nothing to represent this district. So uh, I'm running because I care. I'm running because I'm a patriot. I'm running because I'm not perfect, but I'm running because I am no sell out. I believe in stand true to the beliefs and values and uh, of our party. Uh, God country and duty i'm a vet i served in the military so you know a lot of things that came into my life that really helped me uh do the work that i've done i I founded an organization called blacks organizing leadership development called bold for 16 years i stayed on the pulse of this nation and this is why i became a lover of the constitution because i was dealing with uh, congress people i was dealing with uh, senators and presidents and i started that journey Back in 1990, and it lasted about 16 years, uh, day in and day out, Rick. Really. So I think that I'm now ready. I've prepared myself for this moment.
0: So I just thank you for having me on and allowing me to speak to your audience. Well, tell us about your awesome campaign manager, uh, Jaylene Rodriguez, is somebody that I knew before she became a campaign manager for Ruben Young for Congress. And I just know that she's a, just what I know, she's a hardworking working uh, politics is in her blood. I think it's in her DNA. Uh, she's a, uh, a, a staunch supporter of the Constitution and uh, of the Republican Party, and she's a Cuban American. So, tell us a little bit about Jaylene. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I met Jaylene uh,
1: last year. She was working with another candidate, uh, Laverne Spicer. She was running for Congress again. Federica Wilson, uh, a Republican running against uh, Federica Wilson. I saw this young woman uh, work with her, and I saw this young woman dedicate herself to her. And I saw everywhere I looked up, I saw this this woman, uh, this smart, this brilliant young woman that I've gotten to know now, and she's one of the smartest persons that I could have ever met there's nothing that she can't speak about and if she doesn't know it the first thing I see her do get on there on that phone that internet and she starts researching it and that's the thing I love about her but I made her my campaign member because I think that in watching how she works and watching her commitment uh, to this uh, uh, this process, and her commitment to ensuring that we have the best candidates in office, especially Republican candidates in office for Congress, uh, I was very impressed, and I never forgot her. And when an opportunity came up to invite her, ask her to be my campaign manager, after I went through two months of persons trying to trying to trying to stall me. Uh, she accepted the position and we've been moving uh we've been moving forward since then and i every time we go out this young woman is so impressive everybody likes her she has the personality to bring any and everybody on board so that's who i have as my campaign manager yaylene rodriguez uh she's my campaign manager i'm proud to have her on board and so that's my intro to
0: yaylene rodriguez so without further delay Let's hear from Jaylene Rodriguez. And Jaylene, good morning. And tell us a little about yourself and why did you decide to support uh, Ruben Young as his campaign manager?
2: Good morning. I just wanna appreciate you having me on the podcast. And I also appreciate Ruben's kind words towards me. The reason why I wanted, the reason why I wanted To work with Ruben Young is because I see him as an honest individual who is not a sellout who has a background where he has taken a lot of action for the people by the people and because he knows the Constitution from the beginning to the end and he can describe it for you in great detail because he is very energized because he has a great personality in talking to other people and wanting to take action at the moment as soon as he hears a concern because, um, because he cares. And one of the things as Republicans, that Republicans are looked at as people that they don't care. But I know that that's not true. Throughout my life, Republicans have helped me tremendously to understand more about history, to understand more about this country, and I absolutely love this country, and I want to give back to this country. And one of the greatest thing is that when it came to Donald Trump, I felt like an American, and because of Donald Trump, that also instilled um, an energy uh, for me to give back to this country for, being given the opportunity to come to this country in 2002 through the lottery system as a Cuban-American. And so thank you once again, everybody.
0: Great. That sounds like a true American. I mean, just that sounds. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) What she just said sounded just as as American as any person who was born in America. In fact, it sounded better than some people, uh, what they say, who are born in America. So... So anyway, I just want to thank uh, Ruben and Jaylene for spending time this morning, this Saturday morning. It's it's early on the East Coast, and it's definitely early on the West Coast. You know, three hours uh, be- uh, before you guys or after you guys or something. But um, Ruben, since you've been running your your campaign now for a couple of months, um, I want to ask you this question: What new have you discovered just within the, the last 30 days?
1: Well, you know, Rick, one of the things and, you know, running for uh, for Congress, one of the highest honors you know, a citizen can have. Uh, this is one of the highest positions uh, in the United States of America. And I'm finding a lot of enemies in the camp. And you know, one of the things I find since I started this campaign, you have know, people out there that would come and get in your campaign for the purpose of disrupting it. I had a guy. King and he sounded real, he talked real, he acted real, but he wasn't real. He was a, a democratic operative. That means somebody sent him and he got in my campaign and he disrupt my campaign. He, he stole information from me. He he canceled my bank accounts. Uh, he changed emails and had my information go into a different email because he set everything up and I gave him control of my campaign and That was the thing that I want to tell all candidates. If you're a new candidate, uh, make sure that you have people in your camp that you can trust a person that's 100%. Because this guy, I really liked him. and I really believe that he wanted to help me. But but that's not how this process is working. It's not a process, Rick, where you shake somebody's hand and and you make a promise to them, you shake their hand, and then they honor that. It's not like that. Uh, These guys that come in your camp, they give the appearance that they're they're a believer in what you believe in and then find out they are enemies in your camp. And so I I had to learn how to protect because, you know, Rick, can I just say this? Back when I first ran, I ran for office when I was 28 years old, one of the youngest persons to run for Miami-Dade County of Court. Matter of fact, I was the first person to foul as the candidate in 1989 for the position because everyone thought it was a, an a appointed position. But I researched like my a campaign manager, a very smart woman, she researched. I did the same thing and found it was elected position and all these years they never knew that. And I came across a guy who did something similar. And so I'm always watching, but I thought it would be different on this level and it's worse on this level. So I just tell candidates and anybody to be careful out there because there's people that are going to come. They, that's all they want to do is get in your camp and disrupt. And i never forget this guy. He set me back on my fundraising. He set me back uh, for about uh, two months. And he took a lot of uh, information that he should not have had because there's public information and there's uh, campaign private information. And the information that you protect are uh, what you're going to do, how you're going to move your campaign forward, the strategies that you come up with with your team. So that's why I'm so happy. I am so happy that I have Yaeline Rodriguez. Uh, just like she said, that I am honest. Uh, she's one of the most honest persons the most sincere persons that I met, and, and she has an innocence about it, and that's what I like. Uh, she's not convoluted or polluted, and you need people like Danny in your team and not people like this other guy, and I'm not going to call his name, but he knows who I'm talking about if he hears this, he hear this recording.
0: So I learned that, Rick. That's what I'm learning. You got to keep them enemies at the camp. Well I tell you what the person that knows about enemies of the in the camp the most is probably Donald Trump because if you think about <laughs> <laughs> if you think about all the people that he trusted that's true. Thinking, <laughs> what'd you say Jalen that's true There's
2: you know all the people
0: yeah all the people that he had in his camp on his team then he found out they were uh you know enemies uh you know operatives and uh, i mean everybody from like one even his one of his personal attorneys turned out to be an enemy and Amen. up Amen. And t- up to the end of the of, of the election or the election day and then uh a few months after the election we found we find out that people we thought were were in his camp were not in his camp and then as a, as voters as americans we found out that people that we thought were on our side when we were going through this uh this election fraud, uh, you know, information and, and situations and events. And we find out that people that were elected to office were not even willing to stand up uh, to the Constitution and support the Constitution and support uh, Donald Trump. So the enemies in the camp has been a long standing uh, thing. I, in fact, I know two candidates that ran uh, within the last uh, election, maybe an election before that that had people operatives in their camps and they found out that they were being bamboozled <laughs> so that is uh it, it is not a rare a rare thing and just to be honest with you if i was running against you ruben i would have people at your uh campaign speeches in the audience listening to you writing notes taking notes so that i can go back to the other side and tell them everything that you're doing and by the way oh, ruben, boy, you, you bad boy you bad Ooh. And by the way, I'm strategic and tactical, too. And, and by the way, I would tell you this, is that uh, you, what you should do when you start doing your, your your speeches in the public, just tell people, I know that there are people in this audience that are not on my team. Just to let them know. Put it out there on Front Street. So anyway, um, today we want to talk about, I know you have points in your campaign that you want to, you want to uh, put out to the public. You want to elevate these points and there are five of them. But today you want to talk about the community. And uh, one of the questions, the first questions I have for you about the community is why do you think of the five points and we won't talk about every five, every all the points today, but of the five points, why do you put the community first?
1: okay that's a good question and i also want when i'm done i I want jaylene to give her input on this conversation as well but uh, the community is the most important of all to me because i'm from the community i've lived in poor neighborhoods i lived in neighborhoods where there's a lack of resources. I live in uh, communities where there's no economic opportunity. And I fight hard for our community, especially for black communities. And I fight hard for the people in the black community because a lot of them here, uh, they're connected to me. They're my family. I mean, they, came from various places, but uh, we're one. We're in this together. And I think if we don't strengthen our community, uh, we, we don't have a future because if we don't have strong communities. We don't have strong uh, uh, children. Well, uh, We don't have strong community. We don't have strong neighborhoods. If we don't have strong communities, we don't have strong people that able to uh, provide for themselves. And, able to support themselves and sustain their families so this is why i believe being a black republican and i'm so happy that i walked away from the democratic party but this is why uh, as a black uh, conservative we're able to speak about community because i I, i've seen what destruction have come from our city and local government how if you're in black communities you don't get resources, or you get, you're the last to get resources, but if you're in other communities, you enjoy the quality of life, and every, every last one of us under the Constitution is guaranteed the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, uh, and it's the pursuit of But you can't pursue anything in certain communities, especially poor black communities, when there's no opportunity, when you have people uh, in your uh, uh, businesses or you have people in your government who uh, don't like your skin color. And they put all these you know, obstacles in your way, especially as, as as politicians, as elected officials, they put these obstacles in your way and they divide resources. And when they get out there, you know, I don't know if you ever remember this, Rick, uh, when we grew up, we shared a lot, you know, we, we say one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. We divided everything equally. But because you have people with these racist mindsets, and I'm not just talking about Democrats or, or Republicans, I'm talking about people in general. Uh, the Constitution that we hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator. Among these are uh, life liberty and happiness Who's the pursuit of happiness I and mean, i don't see that so i fight harder uh, for our communities no matter where they are but i fight extra hard to protect the interests of our black community because a lot of resources that come down they don't know anything about and when i worked in the florida house of representatives one of the first things i used to do when information came from that state government i had a core group of people that i let know that money's are coming down the pipe And I gave them the information that they need because it's the lack thereof of of information that uh, put us behind on the eight ball. So I'm going to work extra hard uh, when God put me in this seat. I'm going to work extra hard for this district, but I'm going to pay attention to those communities that's been left behind, especially those communities where we have small businesses. You know, small businesses are our bedrock. They are our strength. And when you have weak small businesses, it... Uh, put at a disadvantage the stakeholders, and a lot of the stakeholders uh, are black people because they cannot produce the resources, they cannot produce the, the the employment opportunities that they can give to the people inside of the community. So this is what uh, why community is is important to me making sure that our community receives the quality of life, the educational opportunities that they need, the economic opportunities that they deserve, and, uh, and they're in a position to pursue life, liberty, and happiness.
0: Absolutely, and i like to add to that, uh, just listening to what you said, I mean, I heard a lot of things what you said, I, and, and what I got from what you said is that I like to use the phrase of rising tides, r- rising tides raise all ships. And coming Amen. from the black community myself in, in in Tampa, Florida, I can say that in within the community there are several levels of economic, you know, uh, status. There are lower income, there are middle income, and then there are upper middle income, and the poor, the middle class, and the upper middle class. But I, I would always, always, I, I definitely want to also say that, you know, listening to you, I can tell that you are going to be the person who goes to the community. And tells the community that for anything good to happen, community members must put in that effort because we we can't sit back. Like like I said, coming from the black community myself and Belmont Heights on the east side (laughs) of Tampa, I can tell you right now, our community. And I know you're going to bring this message when you go out to the campaign speech. Our community needs to understand that nothing happens without effort. And I believe these uh, Democrats have uh, put in our minds, put in the Black community's minds, that things happen without effort, and that's one of the biggest uh, obstacles that I that I that I see. And I hear you kind of saying that uh, in, in a well, way. So you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm saying it because you know
1: what, what what part of government produces? You know, if you are in poor neighborhoods. You can't produce the type of uh, economic opportunity or or equalities that the community needs. Poor people can't produce employment. They can't produce uh, uh, business opportunities for the people uh, in their community. So, so the best way to be to outpace or beat the black community is to keep them in economic bondage and and keep them uh, in a posture where they cannot do for them do for themselves. You know, like you take uh players trying out for uh, 51 positions on a say nfl football team you know and that means that in order for you can get that 51 you have to go through a, a great number let's pick, let's choose the number 149 to 200 people out of those people that try to qualify or try out for the team they're going to get us uh, probably half or a very small percentage of those uh, persons to be a part of the team, but yet still, it's the uh, it's the creation of the opportunity. Uh, an opportunity was made available. Sometimes when opportunities present themselves, you 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 have to uh, you have to take advantage of the opportunity when opportunity is presented. But when you've got neighborhoods, especially like you said, we both come from. Uh, I come from the hood. I came from uh, communities of where you had drug dealers, you had pimps, uh, you had prostitutes. I actually knew the drug dealers, the, the pimps and the prostitutes. I don't have to say I grew up around it. I lived it. I was there with them. I I, I know why they was doing it. And it was all about economics. If a person had to choose, they had the right opportunity, and they had to choose drugs uh, versus uh, making money, plenty of money the right way, I'm quite sure everybody would do that. But there's lack of uh, opportunities uh, in our Community, but when the opportunity is there, which I hope to be one of those persons that create the type of opportunity that people need and they deserve. So you're right on. I agree with you 100% what you just said, Rick. And I'm glad that you understand
0: the message, the messaging of why I am running for this seat. Absolutely. Jaylene, do you have any comments you want to add to what Ruben just said? Hello. Hey, do you, have, do you have any comments to add to what Ruben, Ruben just said?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, as far as what Ruben says, one of the most uh, key components is understanding what are the struggles that business owners are having and how we can elevate small business owners so they can hire as many people as possible and hire qualified individuals who may take in the efforts and who have taken the time to, uh, improve on their skills. And what we've been doing is talking to the business owners, for example, in Hollywood Boardwalk and listening to their concerns, mentioning that, um, after COVID, uh, the cops weren't there anymore and there was a lot of people that were leaving and not paying for the, for the food that they ate. Or tourists leaving behind a lot of trash, a lot of littering, and not being picked up properly by the community. Um, I'm sorry, not by the community, but not being picked up by the people that are supposed to pick it up. So the restaurants actually pitch in and picking up the trash that's left over whenever they have the time. And we contacted, Ruben Young contacted the mayor on the exact same day, which we're waiting to hear a response. And he also posted about it on his Facebook to see if we can get other patriots to also contact the mayor and get a response as soon as possible to take care of those issues. Because when business owners are suffering, then they're not able to hire as many people if they're not able to make the same amount of profit to be able to hire more people. And then people have a means to do, to fight to be financially stable and to support their children.
1: All hey right. Man, Thank yo, you for that input. That's right. I like that, Rick. She she hit that random money. Uh we was out to, and that's the type of person I am. I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk but I hear a concern. I acted it right there being and there because I got I said to my campaign manager we were out. Uh, I, I I like to take immediate action. I like to least least, uh, I like the good fights. I like to take on the challenges. And so when we were out talking to the business owner uh, in the uh, Hollywood Beach, I mean, Hollywood Beach Boardwalk area, that's where we were. And, and you know, and the did the d- introduction. We got into a conversation with the manager. And when you start listening to, to what people, uh, what, what if you listen to people, you hear what you need to be uh need to be heard and this is what me and Yaline did we listened we heard her concern and we took immediate action and we went around the uh, beach area we looked at those trouble spots the trash and the litter and we looked at the, the lack of uh, safety because of a serious lack of safety on the hollywood Beach uh, boardwalk area and managers are crying out but it's unfair for the city not to be attentive. Yeah, we had the COVID. Yeah, we now find that that was uh, that was a somewhat conspiracy. But a lot of businesses was hurt, and a lot of businesses are still hurting. Not only were the business hurting, the employees that work for the business they hurt too because they lost uh, income, they lost a, 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 a way to provide for themselves. And now they're also playing catch up. So we don't just have businesses. Or trying to catch up, and not we don't only have businesses trying to provide uh, support or employment for their workers, but you have the city government, especially in the Hollywood Beach area. And we asked Mayor Levy, Levy. His name is Josh Levy. We asked Mayor Levy to uh, listen to the concern as a congressional candidate. I'm not out here for my health, and when I was someone of that level brings a, a concern to your attention you should respond because eventually when we take office you have to respond because if you go back in history before you had the mayors and before you had these commissioners the only position you had at the time was u.s representatives that's what the constitution created in 1777 Up. 1776 or 1787 upon ratification. You only had U.S. representative representing the the people. And that's why we came up with a Republican form of government. A lot of people don't understand what that means. It's a a government that believes in law and order. It's a government that's closer to the concerns of the people. And I was happy to see my campaign manager out there. I was glad that I was out there because we brought government to the people closer to the people so we can hear what is going on and so we can take it to a, a high level and, and put it in the in the ears of those uh state those uh, state representatives those congressional representatives and to put these concerns right there to the ears so they're here what the what's happening to the people so we we did take immediate action uh, and i'm gonna say not just myself but my campaign manager was out there. Gayleen was out there with me, and I see nothing but greatness in her future because she's also a person that cares. So we we have to change. We have to change this messaging, uh, we have to ensure that the uh, the Democrats and having a strong stranglehold over our community. Uh, we need to we must demand that we have representatives that represent the best interests of the people in those. So in this district in these districts and this is what we're going to bring to the table quick action quick response time and we're not going to delay when we hear concerns of interest uh, the things that's going on in this district so yes we did do that and you always need to know the type of persons that's on this call interview with you these are people of action we are people of action Rick right?
0: well I tell you what I can I can bet a fortune <laughs> that your your opponent, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, will not talk to small business owners in the way that you and Jaylene did. I'm willing to bet money that she does not care about the small business owners. So anyway, my next question. Um, how do you feel about, you know, the community? I mean, when I say the community, people uh, automatically think about the community as being the black community. But the community is also middle-class community it's also the upper income community but how do you feel about this thing going on with teachers and the role of teachers and the role they play in helping you know young kids and 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 parents kids and grandparents kids
1: very good question Rick I'm I'm glad you asked that question because you know I grew up uh, going to a lot of the different schools in uh, in minor dade county i went to about four or five schools i started off start off with a l lewis then i went to west homestead uh, elementary then i went to mention rancher elementary then i went to uh middle school Repton junior high camel junior high and south dade senior high and it was, it was, it was, it was comparing the way i was, was reared and how i was educated uh it's amazing I would have nothing but respect for teachers. Uh, I had a teacher that I had, remember I had a crush on. Her name was Bernice Bean, and I was in the third grade. And I loved Miss Bean because Miss Bean gave me the, the time and she gave me the attention I needed. And I was one of the smartest kids in the class. You know, I used to be an honor student. Uh, I, I, I did the work. I put the time in. I, I did the workbooks. I put the time in. And so I was one of the smartest kids in the class. I remember I used to get all A's uh, from first to sixth grade or somewhere around there. Then it got, I got thrown off track when I got to, uh, to uh, middle school and high school because I had to start fighting a lot and I had to stand up. But I am in some of the places that I hear all the reports, uh, I don't like how they're teaching these children to be un-American. I've been to classroom, I been to some schools, I've seen some of the uh some of the uh writings that is hanging over the, 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 the bulletin board and it's very this uh it's very heartbreaking that we're not teaching civics and it's very heartbreaking that we're not talking about the process of how government works So our I mean, children will have a better understanding about the country that has a good history some good some bad I mean I say it like that but but overall it's one of the best Countries in the world. I mean, I'd rather be in America than in some of the places I hear how they violate people's rights, their civil rights, their human rights, their rights of being who they are, free speech. None of those things, some of these things don't even take place in some of these other uh, countries. But it is disheartening when you have uh, teachers teaching uh, our children how to hate their own country, how to be anarchists. How to not follow the rule of law when the principles that were started and founded on by our forefathers uh, laid down a foundation which it had a spiritual overtone because it says in God we trust and these principles like Ben Franklin and uh, George Washington and uh, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson and all of them. Subscribe to how they laid it out in a document called the Constitution, how they laid out the principles, foundation, and they never once disputed God. Never once. If you read their Constitution, it does not separate church and state. There's nothing in that Constitution that that separates church from state. So I don't know what happened, how we got to this point, but you can certainly see it in the behavior of these children on these college campuses, how free speech is, 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 is in danger you can't even have an opinion there's no opinion, there's there's now complete an oath, unadulterated citizenship, Rick unadulterated conversation, you cannot even have your own opinion we're fighting in this country over whether you are a democrat versus a republican, and that's being taught, that, that division that hate is being taught some places in our nation, we are the United States of America. We're not the divided states of America. But you can certainly see the division in our schools. You can certainly see the division in our, on some of our college campuses, and that's why I thank God for Charlie Kirk. I thank God for what he's doing with the organization that he founded, how he's going to these, how he's going to these campuses, and how he he's taking on some of the professors and taking on some of the hate of, our, of the left in, on these uh, campuses. And uh, I remember we started out with the ballot, but you can see that in the behavior of our children. You see go out in our black communities, or go out in our communities and say that you are a Republican. The first thing they, they say, oh, I don't want to talk to you because you're a Republican, but I am still an American. But they are not teaching our children to, to love America and to love all Americans and in God we trust. That's not the conversation, that's not the learning that they're giving our children. And that's the narrative and that's the messaging, Rick, that I believe that we must not subscribe to. And we we can only blame the Democratic Party and their liberal uh, curriculum that they're allowing and some of our local school boards and how they're allowing uh, some of their uh, universities boards to promote this hate and to promote this division. And this is why I think that now is the time for us to change this messaging, change this lack of uh, educational opportunity that's being provided as we see it. Because communities need great teachers helping students learn how to read, write, and do math, not push liberal agendas based on curriculum to indoctrinate our kids. Recently, there was a study in the L.A. Times reporting LA County High School graduate had a fifth grade reading competency from an amazing hard touching. You can see this on a, on a, uh, during a uh, YouTube interview, Rick. It says Freeway Ross, uh, Rick Ross, was passed from grade to grade in the K 12 LA County School System and graduated without learning how to read. That's a that's a tragic because if you don't know how to read or write you are more prone for what the studies say you're more prone to enter from prison because you are not uh, prepared to enter into the workforce because how can you enter into the workforce Rick when you can't even read an application? How can you enter into the workforce Rick, when you can't even fill out an application? So it's, uh, now is about economic survival. People are now trying to uh, to survive because of the lack of opportunities, the lack of effort, the lack of good education translates into more criminal behavior, right? So this is where we are with our campaign, uh, talking about these issues, raising these issues and going into these democratic strongholds to set black people, set our communities free. And I'm not just focusing on saying I'm black, Communities I'm black this and that, it's not about that. It's about touching on those areas that are of the most need. And we certainly find that the Democrat has a strong hold on black communities and we have to do what we have to do to set them communities free.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and before, before we move on to another subject, I just wanna add something. And then I'm gonna ask Jaylene to talk about her San Francisco free speech uh, event that she attended uh, back in October of uh, 2020. But I just want to add, you mentioned the Freeway Ricky Ross story, or Rick Ross story. Uh, that story is very, very compelling because because this guy could not read or write in the LA County School District. He became the biggest drug dealer in the country. Rick Ross. Uh, you know, he's probably like in his late 50s, early 60s, but he was unable to read or write so when it came time to, for him to fill out a high, uh, a college application because he had won a tennis scholarship, he was unable to complete the application because he could not read or write. And I believe, just like you said, our communities need teachers, uh, teaching students, not some of the crap that's going on now, but how to read, write, and do math. And it seems like, I'm telling this, letting people know right now, if you're a parent listening to this, or if you're a grandparent listening to this episode, you need to start writing letters. You need to start calling your school boards and put them on notice if you are unhappy. That's my caveat. If you are unhappy with how your school system is going. Out here on the West Coast, uh, Ruben and Jaylene, you know, we're, we're starting to take action. We're starting to go to the, the school boards. We're starting to write letters to these city councils. Who are seems like they're they're making rules without, uh, like they say, uh, 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 without voter representation. <laughs> so I'm just letting people know on this podcast episode: write letters to your city councils, write letters to your school boards, and and let them know that you will not put up with this mess. You send your kids, you send your grandkids to school to learn how to read, write, and not to be anti-American. But right now, I want to ask Jaylene to talk about her uh, her trip out to San Francisco. And let me tell you something about Jaylene. Jaylene asked me to, to go to this uh, this Twitter free speech event. And unfortunately, I was in Los Angeles at, at that, t- that same weekend. But I tell you what, she is bold for going to that, that hornet's nest, I call it. So Jaylene, can you please talk about how your your courage and what drove you to fly almost 3,000 miles from sunny South Florida to the Bay Area to be at the San Francisco Twitter Free Speech event?
2: Absolutely, and I do want to add on to what you said earlier. Is, is when you email, also give them a call, and if they don't respond, show up to their offices, show up to the school and gather with other like-minded people because the more people you have behind you, the more noise that you make, the, the likelier it is that they have to listen to you because you are demanding that they listen to you. And you can't stop until they all have to listen to you. Um, so as far as why I went all the way to Twitter headquarters in San Francisco, California, um, the person who organized it was Philip Anderson. He is actually an African immigrant who came here to the United States as an American citizen. And he has been fighting against censorship and for free speech for a very long time. And he was taken off of Twitter. He was taken off of, he's taken off of Facebook now. He's taken off of Instagram now. And his only account is on Gab. Going from forty thousand followers all the way to four thousand followers, and what I saw is that he pointed out not only the fact that Antifa was destroying federal buildings in Portland, and he was there to try to stop it, and the citizens, uh, the locals of that area helped him for that day with the help of the police officers to stop Antifa and BLM from attacking the federal <clears throat> the federal building. Then he went to other locations of BLM and Tifa coming together to do horrendous things upon businesses and upon people because of the situations that have happened in the United States. Um, and the reason why I felt that it was so important to go to Twitter headquarters, seeing how hard Philip Anderson has been doing just by himself as one man with no weapons, just his voice and his body is because if he can do it, why can I do it? You know, I, I got tired of seeing people getting hurt, of businesses getting destroyed, and I wanted to stick it to the man, I wanted to stick it to Twitter headquarters, because they are contributing to the misinformation that is happening, and the propaganda that is happening, and the censorship that is happening, and they took the president, for example, they took Donald Trump off of the platform. Um, and And, Philip Anderson warned people this would happen if you don't do something about it. And uh, I'm very grateful to him. And I'm very grateful to the president. And I'm very grateful for that trip because it helped me realize a lot of things. And although a lot of people didn't get the opportunity to go or did not go, uh, this is something that should happen in the future. Unless Twitter gets taken down because another company comes in to replace it.
1: Hey, i I like, like to add this i like to add this for so your audience I want them to understand uh, what, this, what this campaign is about now you know uh, Democrats Democrats only have value within black and brown communities if the communities are experiencing poverty, pain, misery and destruction since, uh, since around the 1830s Democrats continue treating black people like slaves first blacks were treated like slaves until the Emancipation Proclamation And then after being free, Democrats found ways to still control black and brown communities through black leadership by which Democrats are still controlling today. Now, on the issue of the censorship, I wrote Mark Zuckerberg when they removed President Trump from these social mediums. I wrote Mark Mark Zuckerberg and i told him that you've just overthrown the country because when you're dealing with a president you read their constitution whatever a president set up whatever platform the president used that's official government business and when twitter and zuckerberg and they all uh called themselves because they had the support of the democratic party or the democratic left when they had the, the support of the party they thought that they was heroes by removing President Trump, but I showed them the law. I showed them the statute, how they just overthrew this country. And they went through the government because whether you like a person or not, when they take that oath of office and they, and they promise to protect and defend this nation, uh, our Constitution. Uh, the Constitution then grabs them, the Constitution then takes a hold of them, and the Constitution then embraces them. So now that person is inspired in, 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 in by a document, they found a founding document, that's known as the Supreme Law of the Land, according to the uh, decision of Marbury versus Madison, 1801. The Supreme Court uh, determined a rule that the Constitution is not a political statement that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. So Martin Zuckerberg committed a a treasonous offense. Twitter committed an offense, a treasonous offense. And all these other social platforms that thought they were heroes by removing Donald J. Trump from his social media. Anything that the president touched, Anything that the president, whatever he set up, whatever airplane he flies in, that become official government business. And so that's why I said, and I said that to Mr. Mark Zuckerberg in a letter that I wrote to him, that you just
0: overthrew this country. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just want to add, because I, I, sp- I feel where you're going with this. And I you mentioned some, you mentioned three words, uh, Reuben, that just light me on fire when you said. That the Democrat Party have been the driving force for black communities. And I would say more than just black communities now, because with this COVID thing and this Fauci thing, you mentioned three words, pain, misery and destruction. Okay, as a combat vet, those are the the same three words (laughs) we used to use. I I mean, I chuckle at that, but those three words mean mean a lot when you talk about destroying a community by, you know, destroying people's lives. P- you know, pain, misery, and destruction. And we see now that the Democrat Party, and now that we're starting to find out that Fauci and, his, and these emails, it seems like there's nothing good that comes out of the Democrat Party. And you're right about uh, the Democrats using, you know, black people and people of color and any minority group that they can, you know, Sink their teeth into to see if they can use them as pawns. And I like to call out this story. There's this uh, former NBA player. His name is Kwame Brown. He's 39 years old. He played in the NBA for 12 years, and he did something courageous over the last two weeks. Now, this might be a touchy subject for some listeners, but I believe right now, for you know our country, we need to bring. We need to put everything on Front Street. We can no longer you know, fake the funk, as we used to say in the 70s. <laughs> we need to put the the, the, the information right there on, on Front Street. So Kwame Brown, he has called out some of these, these woke professional athletes and some of these woke uh, actors about how they have taken the place. I'm talking about these professional athletes, these black professional athletes and black uh, movie stars. They have taken the position that the KKK had back in the day. So in other words, the KKK used to be the person uh, damaging uh, communities' lives and bringing pain, misery, and destruction. And now they have black celebrities, black athletes, you know, uh, uh, playing point on, on bringing destruction. So it's almost like they're using the black people to do the bidding of what the KKK used to do. Some you know fifty, seventy, one hundred years ago. So, what do you think about that?
1: Well, you know, Rick. Now you're leading on something that I I really appreciate because it's, it's the it's the fear tactics. You know, using public health crises like the Fauci conspiracy, the COVID nineteen conspiracy to scare, intimidate ruin citizens, which caused a lot of people in my district, in district twenty three, their livelihoods, uh, their their 401k plans, their homes, their real estate values, their, their generational wealth. I mean, you know, what Kwame did, I commend him because we are still living on the Dixiecrats. Uh we living on people who hate other people because of their skin color. You know, I tell people a thousand years from now, the people of the future are going to say this to us you always doing what you all are fighting over what over skin color they do gonna think that it's so absurd and think that's so crazy and i say a thousand years from now but it could be a, a hundred years from now and i think what is going on by people are discriminating against people debbie walking shoes are not stood up for the discrimination of any minority uh, in this district. Uh, Gentrification discrimination is taking place throughout parts of this district. We have people from the outside coming on the inside, uh, doing the development in certain areas, and they're not, and they are excluding, they are excluding the community members uh, because of these uh, policies uh, uh, set aside by the Democratic Party so people are not able to flourish they're not able to grow i call this the top-down approach because you was in the military like i was in the military and i remember when the order, order was handed down not up so the behavior of what's taking place is, is, is a top-down approach and that's why i think that the home rule charter in this county is a part of that problem because in 1957 when they created this home rule charter Uh, We had We're going through the civil rights period And we had a guy by the name of Martin Luther King Standing up And he was a Republican Just like Frederick Douglass was a Republican Just like Sojourn Truth was a Republican And Harriet Tubman was a Republican And all these Republicans That was uh, uh, African American descent Fighting for this Republic Because this is what this is about So when you got Democrats keeping people in these bonds and keeping people in this involuntary servitude. A bond is violating the 13th, the 14th and the 15th Amendment. The 13th Amendment prohibits involuntary servitude. 14th Amendment give us uh, the equal protections under the, under the law and the 15th Amendment is our right to vote without all these uh, conditions. You don't see Debbie Wasserman show standing against that. You don't see even try to protect the civil liberties and the civil rights of the citizens in this district and fight against these, these, these discriminatory policies set forth by her party, which she used to be a, a chairperson, former chairperson of the DNC. She's go 150% along with these poly platforms. So I'm against them. Uh, I thank God for
0: Kwame. I thank him for
1: calling out these leaders, especially these black pastors. Calling out mm-hmm. these leaders and now they're
0: taking money. Wait a minute now. Um, wait a minute now. You said the black pastors? I said the black pastors. Uh-oh. I'm sorry, did I think, did I say something wrong? <laughs> no, no, I just, I'm just. i surprised you said it.
1: <laughs> but go ahead. Well, I'm just I'm just talking. We we, we we talking, the Jay, Jay, Jaylene is on the line. You're on the line, your listening audience is on the line. We're sharing the conversation. We have to tell the truth. No matter how it hurts, if for us to find the cure to the problems, especially within this district, and especially throughout this country, we must identify the problems in order to come up with a solution and part of the problem is that we are well part of our problem is we do have black pastors that's in their pockets of the democratic party and they're leading our people to a place that they should not go and my pastor didn't do that when i was growing up he, he talked about the liberties and freedom of the gospel you go into all places preaching the gospel, spreading the good news, help setting the captives free. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Those are the things I remember my pastor talking about. Not taking these policy positions, up, these discriminatory positions of a party. When you know that they are wrong, you cannot lead the blind. The blind cannot follow the blind. And this is why I think that uh, I have assembled a great team. I have a, a young woman with me who's uh, very meticulous in her thought, her thought process. She sees things differently. And I thank God I have that uh, tool on my team. But we have to speak the truth. We have to tell the truth. This is the only way we're going to fix this district.
0: So let me ask you a question. This-, this is a question we can close out. You can close us out uh, on this question. Uh, did you say that you are an american right i am an american born naturally born american and and, and to run in your district don't you have to be in an, an, an american citizen well i'm glad you said that Rick, because under the citizenship
1: clause the citizenship clause uh is, is, is for americans uh seeking political office and we and we have that so our positions won't be overtaken by foreign influence you know I, I have my doubts but i have there's a lot of candidates running that don't even show you uh an american birth certificate now, i'm an american first candidate Rick. and by being american first candidate i put american first i put the core values of america first and as patriots as citizens of this country we must hold the line we must protect our political offices from being taken by people that were put forth policies that we, this country doesn't need and that's not hate talking, that's love talking and I've seen it, we have people like Omar in positions, don't even love America, everything she says is anti-American, but yet she's in this seat and uh, we have to say enough is enough, I was at the event the other night and the message was enough is enough, so we have to hold a line in this country and we have to promote candidates that we know have the uh, best
0: interests of America at heart. So that's why I said what I said. Well, absolutely. Well, we're, we are 18 months out before the, the election and you are uh, up and running. Your website will be up tomorrow and that's ryoungforcongress.com That's ryoungforcongress.com And the telephone number is 954-399-7699 And that is the, the, the ryoungforcongress.com main telephone line and uh, Jaylene do you have any closing comments
2: Uh, my closing comments would be thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through the end we look forward to having you follow Ruben Young and make sure that you support him so we can get him to win on District 23 against Debbie Wasserman so I am in it to win it and that's it
1: (laughs) alright like that that. (laughs)
0: Well, I tell you, you got the winning team, and I think that your team is getting bigger. I know you have a, a lot of uh, things that you want to uh, say to the people. And j- just, you know, my only recommendation as a outsider looking in is, uh, you know, watch out for the spies the, in the camp. and And I think you mentioned your social media was being bombarded by people you didn't even know. So you might want to consider doing something about that. But anyway, I want to thank you for being a a guest, both uh, Ruben Young and Jaylene Rodriguez. Uh, Ruben Young for Congress District 23. And that's uh, like North Miami Broward area. Uh, So take care. Come back anytime. And I think you have some other topics that you want to discuss in the near future. But again, thank you for your time this Saturday morning. Thank you very much. Rick. Thank you. All right. Make it a great day.